All right, everybody, getting ready to kick it off. Look at this. We're going to watch the whole seats in the back fill a minute because uh, Pastor Paul is going to bring his family. Ten kids in one trailer. Dude, you are, like, amazing. You're going to get a chance to meet all these amazing people here pretty quick. Duncan, are we good? Mr. Mr. Our, our kilted Christian, is he good? Are we good? All right, we're live. Let's go. Are we ready to go? All right. All right, well, welcome. Welcome to Bart's Fest. This is a uh, awesome event. Just want to thank all the folks here at this location for everything they've done. We'll get into more of that as we go down the road because there's some amazing stories coming out of this already. We are here this week, these next few days. I keep saying a week because it's been a week getting here, I'll tell you. But we are here to equip the saints for the work in the ministry. And we are going to see a lot of what's going to happen here this week. So we have this amazing venue. It's an amazing outdoor space. It's incredible. We have a lot of space for everybody. And um, we started out great last night in kind of what we call pregame. And um, amazing number of people who were out here last night just breaking bread, having great conversations. We have people literally from all over the United States, California, Oregon, Texas. Texas always comes in trucks, by the way. That's, it's good. I like it, you know. We had to remember, we had to remind Jim Conley yesterday when he asked somebody from Texas, like, do they have a truck? I said, Jim, you're from Texas. What are you driving? I said, oh, yeah, that's good. So it's all good. It's wonderful. We have people from the Northeast, the Central, and that's the beauty of this event. We have people that, we had somebody who called yesterday, and uh, the call was just a friend of mine. He said, hey, because I saw this thing posted. What is this? God tells me I have to be here. I'm coming. So, I mean, this is literally happening. There's something happening here that's pretty amazing. So we just want to make sure we keep that focus. We've had a really amazing start, and I just want to be real clear here. This is an amazing pavilion because it's completely covered, great sound, but it's also open walls. It means a lot to me because God gave me a very clear vision a while back that the new assembly places, the new church would be like this meaning not confined by the stone walls, but open to the world. And so here we are. Scott, I want to interrupt you real quick. Are there any kids in here that are not in the kids area right now? Yeah. All right, so I want you guys to follow Trey. He's wearing that camo hat. And he is going to take you all to the kids area because we have a jam stinking packed weekend for all the kids. As a matter of fact, if you're missing adults, they're probably over there having even more fun than we are here. Um, so I want everybody to go follow Trey. Ha Goodbye. Have a great time. All right, <laughs> carry on, Mr. Kesterson. They just grew up. Mom and Dad, they just grew up. See ya. Have a nice time. Leave the keys, please. It's all good. So, All right, so we do have a kids, a really good kids camp going over here, and that's led by Tiffany, a.k.a. Punky, um, who is one of our fantastic mods, mother of four, and just, she rocks it. Um, she, she started doing sourdough starter a while back, and I think it's just the same mentality. If you have one child, you have to have more than one. If you know anything about sourdough starter, it's like doing a, having a child. So Tiffany decided to have two at once. I'm, that's, that's a wild one. So that's good. But anyway, great family, 
Her husband's an, a veteran from Iraq, so thank you for your service. Awesome. He is a man who is, loves his wife and loves his family. So, and, and that is truly what we have so much of here is we have this amazing, uh, just an amazing group of people that truly have the heart of God and then the heart of our country. Up front, we have Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces. So, just to kind of give you up, I, Joe is our, is our dog for Bards Nation, and we've adopted him, and we've adopted his breed, which he's an amazing animal. And that's a Dutch Shepherd, right, Pete? And um, I just want to, just so you're aware, Joe's working right now, so I'm just cautioning you. He's a beautiful dog. He's a lovely personality, but just please understand that Pete's working him. That's just part of active security, so... Just be a little cautious if you want to come up and talk to Pete. That's all. He's not aggressive, but there is there's a different mentality in the dog, and Pete's activated him. So just be. <laughs> there you go. Le Leah literally stepped on his foot. Yeah, that was good. And she also stepped on a rake that needs to be set a precedent. So everybody understands that I did not beat my sister for the record that time. Okay, so if you don't know who these two beautiful ladies are, this is the resistance chicks. Now, we do have, you're notice today they're wearing the Cloud Hub shirt. And I, I want to tell a little story because it's all personal to both of us. Um, Jeff Brain started Cloud Hub, and Jeff Brain died just a few days ago. And this is a, it's personal for both of us because we're here today together because of Jeff Brain. Jeff made it possible for us to connect. Jeff made it possible to provide a platform that we could vision doing this on. And Jeff didn't see the finish of that vision. Um, so we just want to thank Jeff and all he did. Thank the folks at CloudHub for all they're doing. And we just need to continue that vision. Let Make sure Jeff's vision continues. So God bless him. I want to add something to that. And I'm going to tell this story. I may tell it twice this weekend because this is really important. How many here were at Bards Fest 1? I love you people. <laughs> okay, you guys are diehard for real. I don't know if any of you guys remember, but at the end, uh, we were all on stage. We were on with the whole Cloud Hub team. It was Resistance Chicks and the Cloud Hub team. And uh, Scott turns around, and this was a prophetic word because I don't know where it came from. And he turns around and he says, you're looking at the new face of Bards Fest, Cloud Hub and Resistance Chicks. And Scott bringing us on in that moment prophetically, which we've never really imagined the, what the fulfillment of that would look like. And uh, so in the fall of 2021, we're all together. Uh, fall of 2022, Bards Nation and Resistance Chicks are in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Some of you are here that we're there. Um, we've actually, several people actually. Um, and then now here we are again, and there's something very significant. How many you know that it's Rosh Hashanah? We just had that. And uh, we are literally in the days of awe, going into um, the day of atonement. It's a day of repentance. And this is a very significant time. We seem to always be gathering together around this time. And there was a theme around Bards Fest 1 of repentance that was transformative. And I think that, you know, the scripture that we should be all thinking about is if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Why is our land not healed? Because we don't have a repentance church. But we're not worried about the world. The world's the world. It's the church. 
And so that's what this weekend is about. We are going to equip you. We're going to be doing deliverance. We're going to be setting you guys on fire as lamps to go and take the gospel to the world. This is very important because if the church isn't purified, they purify the world. Well said. CloudHub, as God will work, uh, CloudHub was, Jeff had a stroke and Todd Callender stepped in and took over the role of CEO. Now, which you may not know much about Todd Callender other than the fact he's setting up Nuremberg 2.0, literally. He, he's a, and here's the other thing that Todd is an open Christian lover of Jesus. And I said to him one day, I said, <laughs> That puts you in a minority, and as an attorney, he says, yeah, he goes probably about 10 in the world. So it's gotten working again, and Jeff's vision is continuing, and we're gonna to continue to support CloudHub in great ways. They're doing some great work. We wanna thank them today so much for supporting the live stream. They, they, sent it, they, they sat down with us as a team to make sure this would work well, and just in honor of Jeff, I'm just enjoy this weekend because it's happening because he made the connection happen and we're, we're grateful for that. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you, CloudHub. It's awesome. So we have, um, we have a lot going on here in the next couple of days and we have an amazing number of people. We have pastors around we, uh, and you'll get to know them as we go through here. We have amazing and talented pastors that have come in from all over the country. And these are people that are here for you. So I say this because these types of events will awaken stuff in all of us. You don't have to sit in here and like endure to the end of a speech. If you've got something you need to get off your chest, something you want to work through, something you want to pray on, that's who we want this. This is how God's church works. We're a voice. We're, we're just going to be here as the vehicles and the vessels by which God will work. But God is everywhere. And God is with us and through us in all things. So do not be confined. You want to stand up? You want to scream out? Go right ahead. That's good. We're all there. We've got Pentecostal and everything else underneath us. This is, everybody today is a Pentecostal. I don't care what denomination you are. This weekend you're, you have come and you have come to be Pentecostal. Why? Because we are bringing the Pentecostal fire. It's not a denomination, it's a day. And it's a day that the Holy Ghost came and he fell and he descended and we were endued with power from on high to tell the devil, get out of this world and we are bringing heaven to earth. And that's why everybody here today is a Pentecostal. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Any, any questions? Any questions? <laughs> That's good. So last night we had the great opportunity to, we're going to be doing this as much as we can every night. We're going to kind of do a wrap up on, on Bards FM. Last night we had Michelle and Leah in two separate interviews. And just so you know, they are sisters, but they also have different independent voices. You don't hear it as much when they're together, but boy, we heard it last night and that was awesome. So it was good. It was really good. Now, as we, the biggest part of this transition from Bards Fest 1 to the, this going forward, as you probably know, and for those of you that were not in the Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City, one of the big features we have is breaking bread. God put us on our heart, and we are going to continue to do that. So tonight we have a, it's an open potluck, and we've got Jim Conley, who's not here right now. He's running to get more food and daily supplies. But 
That's our grill and eating area over there. This evening's dinner, all the, this evening's dinner, tomorrow's lunch and dinner, and Saturday's lunch and dinner are all provided. So we just ask that you come, enjoy, bring the Holy Spirit, sit down with somebody you don't know, talk the love of God, talk the love of Jesus, and get to know your neighbor and break bread. Fundamental in our in who we are, and it's amazing because I think it's probably one of the most important parts of our faith that we do the least, and it's so important to do. So that's. And it's not just a thing, it is integral to how Bards Fest works, and we are blessed to have that opportunity to do it. And so thank you all for your donations that have made this possible equally. It's just very important. Ladies? We've got some tables over here. Um, there's a guy, you've probably never heard of him. Um, he's kind of, he begged to come. His name is Brad Cummings. Um, yeah, so he's the author. How many of you heard of the book, The Shack? So he's got the shack. He's got copies of there over there for you guys to, to purchase today. He's got the, the video. And actually, how many of you actually have the Founder's Bible? Oh, Woo! How many of you have given one away? Okay, so he's got a ton. I think we came with like 250, so you all can go home with a couple to give them away. They were out of print for a while, and it, it's hard to get a hold of these things. Um, if you want the precious leather bound, you can order them. Um, can they order them today? Online. They'll be available in a month. This is literally Leah's. It has all, it literally, this is, she just brought up her. So I have, this is my second time through. I read the Bible through every year and I usually pick a different Bible, but I decided to go through um, his again because there's just so much in here. And I have to tell you, because I, I know Brad and I've talked to him, I hear him speak. I know his bias in here. There's a, there's a Bible bias, but it's so good. And um, it just so happens that uh, a couple a couple days ago, I happened to start on Joshua, and we are in a theme of Joshua's, aren't we? Yes, we, we are. are. This is Joshua. Okay, so this is Brad Cummings speak, and probably come here, come here. Like, why should I read when the dude is here? Like, so I was. Brad Cummings, ladies and gentlemen. I was asking him about. So you can no, see hold on, that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, is this okay? All right. Yes. Can I bring, is he, because I know he's a stranger. <laughs> I know he kind of, is a, you know, just came off the street. This is truly a brother right here. And I, I love him so much. We have come to know and live together so many different ways. He has been such an incredible mentor in my walk with Father God and in opening the doors that needed to be opened. So thank you. And from where we started in before Bars Fest 1 to where we are today, I don't think anything can be said, but that was God's mission. You're glowing in the dark. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you do me the honor of reading your intro to Joshua? Yes. Purpose. <laughs> The name Joshua means God rescues, or Yahweh is salvation. This is the story of the conquest of the promised land under Joshua's leadership. It's about crossing over and entering into the fullness of all that God has promised. In the wilderness, God provided for their daily sustenance. To possess the promises will require a fresh consecration, the courage to cross over, 
the will to enter in and fight. Obedience to his voice as he empowers them to dispossess those stronger than they are. It tells us what we must be willing to face the giants and rightfully reclaim our inheritance. The promises have been given to us by God, but we must lay hold of them. It will not happen for us, as in without us, but it will happen with us as God grants the victory. For it is the Lord who fights for us, only be strong and very courageous. Woo! Yes! So I was reading this and I wrote it down because I started reading on Monday. And if you, if you turn the page and you start to read, actually, in, in Joshua, he says, um, in three days, you will, you, will, you will go in to take the land. And I was like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Three days. Okay, God, I, I think we got to do something here. And, you know, I had asked Brad, I said, you said, we need to all pay attention to Joshua 1.9. And I actually read that you, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, nor shall, or, but you shall meditate it on day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then will you make your way prosperous, and then you will you have success. And I think that we miss the first step, and we just want success. You want me to say something? What are we supposed to do? That would be yes. You, you know, David said, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't know about you. Your conscience does not come fully loaded. It comes whacked. You have to renew your mind. As you get the word of God on the inside, it has such a powerful keeping power because you don't have to make decisions on your own. Frankly, I wouldn't recommend you do that. We can inquire of him as opposed to Googling. You can go direct to God and get the fountain of real wisdom as opposed to the fullness of man's BS. Okay? So, thy word have I hid in my heart. If we would understand the law, and what is the law? The law of love. I mean, it's like you summarize the whole thing. If you're somehow thinking it's a bunch of rules, you've missed it. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that law is going to lead me to life. When, when I obey it, I don't get salvation because I obey it. I get that because of his finished work. But I get the blessings of walking in the wisdom of what he invites us to. Was that what you were looking for? And so this is what makes this Bible so different. Can you hold that up for me? Throughout the whole Bible, he has all this stuff about the founding of this nation. And so um, he says, and I'm going to quote you. Uh, one of the most wonderful promises in the Bible appears in Joshua 1.8. God certifies that for those who will take his word, immerse themselves in it, and apply it and its principles to every aspect of life, those individuals will enjoy prosperity and success. And one of the quotes he's got here is, Benjamin Rush, Christianity is the only true and perfect religion, and in proportion as mankind adopt its principles and obey, obey, obey its precepts, they will be wise and happy. And you notice that no Webster in here. The Bible is the chief moral cause of all that is good and the best corrector of all that is evil in human society, the best for regulating the temporal concerns of men, all the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice, crime, and Ambition, the WHO, it's in there. Um, uh, the yeah, World well, like Fauci, injustice, oppression, slavery, war, lockdowns, masks—all of that is obtained in the Bible. 
Noah, had, well, had, Noah Webster had a prophetic voice for 2020. Uh, but yeah, so I want everybody to get a, a copy of these. Go home with three or four for your friends and your family. It's a treasure. I've given many away and with everybody with tears on their, in their eyes. And I tell you what, Michelle and I do shows all the time and I constantly plagiarize his work and pretend like it's my own. Truth. I, I got, if it's of any value, I got it from Jesus. <laughs> there it is. Okay, so we do have several other, you, others we want to go through real, yeah, just, real quick. Just real quick, just real quick. Okay, so we've got uh, the demon slayers in the house. Can we see some demon slayers? I got, I got hands raised. Where's the Glad Tidings crew? There they are. Where's, well, you're all demon slayers. You're all, raise your hand if you're a demon slayer. Come on now. Woo, I got him. But I got like official ones. So we got a guy back there with a shirt that says we're going to love the hell out of you. Okay, you're gonna get that copyright. We all wanna wear those. Um, they are gonna be walking around. You need some deliverance, you need prayer. They're floating. They also have free things for you. These, this is how we cast the de de devils out. As free Americans, we will not comply. Y'all, they brought these here for free. You can pick one up. And you can donate. You wanna tell them about that? Yeah. Okay, so this is another thing you want you to pick up. This is called Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is a deliverance conference that's put on twice a year at the Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. It is truly masterclass level work. I've been through it twice, and it is something everybody should be equipped to do. Brian and Alicia run the deliverance program at the Church of Glad Tidings. One of the reasons I was so blessed to have them here. I've worked with them on their team. I've been mentored by them. And Pastor Dave Bryan, who is the pastor of the church, is literally, he's the gorilla in the room when it comes to things like that. So, Brian, what's the, what's the date? Do you remember? Is it right here? It's on there. Okay, October, 9th. October 9th to the 13th. October 9th to the 13th at Yuba City, the Church of Glad Tidings. That's California. So yes. And you can watch it online for free. You can watch it online. Um, I would just, like I always say, online for free, but have a heart to donate. That's really the key there. Thank you. It's supporting. Yeah. But it's it's incredible because this is a conference that. If you're there, the hands-on training you will get, the openings that you'll find, what it will do for you and change you is equally fantastic as Bards Fest. Though today, I think we're going to top you, Brian, on Bards Fest, just so I say it. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is Pastor Dave Bryan's book, The Serpent and the Savior. Savior. This is a fantastic text, and it is his story and journey on the entire issue of dealing with the satanic cults in Northern California and in his journey. Um, let me say something people really don't understand because when I say California, when I say Oregon, it's classically what you hear is it's a blue liberal state. Let's be clear. It is run by commie liberals. That's not a blue. They're not. Neither of those states are blue. Okay. You're right. Okay, thank you, doctor. As Dr. Frank here, the expert on data and elections. Woo! So, the people of these states Oregon, I know Oregon's stats better than I know California, but I'll just put it like this. We have three liberal counties that run that state because of election rigging, and that is Multnomah County, and we have Salem, and it's all Portland and Salem area, three counties, three counties. We have 30 sheriffs out of 36 that told our legislature they will not in enforce unconstitutional laws. So there's been a very quiet revolution happening at the ground level and the county by county level. The same is holding true in California. So this is so important to understand and you're gonna hear a lot about this. Dr. Frank's gonna to talk today about vote validation and taking back the power of the people. 
I love what he does because he's going to show you and talk to you about principles of how each person can be empowered to make a difference and to truly make a difference in our communities. There's a lot of ethereal talk. And we, we have the balance of what we are walking with, which is the, the, the physical world and the spiritual world. Both have to come together. And we have to be able to fight with the authorities and powers given to us by our Father. And they are mighty because they, we do not use the tools of, of warfare in the flesh. We use the tools of warfare in the spirit and can literally break fortresses, not just strongholds, fortresses. We have to work through the spirit always first, but then we have to deliver here on earth. And so like Dr. Frank will talk to you today about some powerful tools and how that actually happens. And the, and the vote is a critical part of our lives here in this country. It's how they are literally controlling power right now by rigging it to such a degree. So when we say California, when we say Oregon, when we say Washington, yes, they are the extremes of liberal insanity. But let me ensure you that the people are not. And what's on the ground, what's going down on the ground, I'm going to tell you, you need to be paying attention because I've had the vision, Paul's had the vision, Brad Cummings has the vision, and many others. The revival for the nation will begin on the West Coast and it will move across this country like a wave. This is a stronghold here and we are building strongholds over there. So buckle up because it's coming. God is moving in big, big ways. All right, so just going down the boost there, we've got two ladies, Angeline Design and uh, Angela Jenkins. You guys want to wave? Okay, so um, Angeline by Design. How many of you have heard of grounding? Earthing. Earthing. Okay, go get some shoes. She makes them. She will do custom ones for you for, for no extra charge. She'll take a little design of your foot. How many of you know we, we're all getting hit by, by waves? If you take your shoes up and you just literally stand on the ground, you're, I've, been, I've done it. I've done it on a multimeter. You go down to zero. Okay, so these things are awful. How do we combat them? God, nature. It takes it out of us. She got all kinds of leather works over there. That's a really great way. Her, their friends, uh, Angela Jenkins has a book. It's coming soon. It's called Destination Real Food. She heals the soil. She teaches you how to do compost. That's really important. Michelle and I, if you guys watch our show, we're big on compost. Uh, we're big on uh, re redeeming the soil. So check her out when her book comes. Um, then we've got Donica Hudson, who will be speaking later. She is a deliverance minister. Uh, she's been on the tour that, with the uh, the Trump ladies. Um, she just she's got a book uh, when she comes. Oh wait, yo, she's here. That's my girl. Okay, so Donica's here. She's got a book, Pray America Great. If you guys get a chance, grab this book. It'll change your life. It teaches you how to pray third heaven prayers, how to change the the world. She's got a lot of testimonies in here, uh, so you want to check it out. She's got a whole uh, package deal back there. So for our online viewers, where can they find them? So DonicaHudson.com. D O N I C A Hudson H U D S O N dot com. Slow it down. Do it again. D D D O N I C A H U D S O N dot com. Donica, that's interesting. We had somebody today. in chat the other night say, whenever I listen to the resistance chicks, it's like I take 20 shots of espresso when I'm done. Yeah, nobody can listen to us on two time. Um, no, and then on our table, resistance chicks, we've got some giveaways for you. We got, so we got a raffle. Put your email down if you want to get on an email list. Sign up for the raffle. We're giving away uh, a book by our friend, uh, Born Again is Kings, The End of Satan, The Beginning of Kings. He's a good, Corey Gray. He's a really good friend of ours. How many of you guys watch Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays? 
We got a couple. All right, okay, okay. So you guys are familiar with Corey Gray. If you guys aren't watching Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, you need to be. But we have Corey Gray on our show all the time. He's a part of our ministry, and he wrote this amazing, fantastic book. This is how we bring kingdom to earth. So if you want to order it, you can order it on Amazon, Born Again Kings uh, by Corey Gray. We have a couple that we're going to be doing a giveaway in the raffle, but I want everybody to have this book in hand when they get home and order it. Awesome. Okay. And then we, uh, we've got one of our speakers here. We call him Dr. Reverend Dad. Where's Jason? Is Jason here? All right, stand up, Jason. All right, so Jason, for the longest time, he never told us he was actually a doctor. Like, I knew he was a chiropractor, but what was me? We just, uh, Jason, I'm like, you come on our show, we don't say doctor? Like, come on, that takes it to the next level. So Dr. and Reverend Dad, he's a Raymond Grad with me, he's a minister of the gospel, and he and his son are actually joining in business together. They're gonna do online consults for whole health healing. Uh, and if you're in the Tulsa area, he will do in-person adjustments, and he's absolutely awesome. Find that on our And so they can find this on our table. Finally, uh, anybody go to Old School Survival Bootcamp? Woo! All right, so uh, Old School is next May. They already have the dates. They gave us their, uh, uh, a coupon code, BardsFestRC, for $15 off. If you guys want to join us, you can pick up this if you want. Um, and I think that's all I got. That was, that was good. Okay. Really quick. How many of you are excited to be here? Yeah. <laughs> guys, I have to tell you, and I, I will do inside baseball. I do have one more thing. So, Scott, wait, tell them about the business. They're going to sign up on our table for the business. <laughs> Thanks. I get to talk now? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, just, just check. We allowed you to come here. I know. I it's a know. big it's deal. A, I, you know how I am. I just listen. I'm good. That's good. Hey, so what we do want at the Resistance Chicks table, right? Your table? Okay. There is a sign-up sheet we've added. And if you have a small business and you're doing stuff, making stuff, fabricating stuff, we want you to put your name and your email contact down and a telephone number if they can do it. Here's what we're gonna be doing. I promised this a few months ago. We just haven't had time, but coming up, and it's gonna be as we start to move in towards Christmas and around the end of the year. What I'm trying to do is pivot so we do about one to twice a month on a Friday evening show where we can call in those folks. I just had somebody come up to me today. They make soaps and, and shaving stuff. It's fantastic. And they already have a Bards code in place. Like that's the coolest thing ever because it is the coolest promo code on the web. So anyway, and then chicks is a nice second. It, it, the thing is that really the key to a lot of what we're looking at, and we'll, we'll talk about this through the course of this, is economic disruption of the classic model. We have to be in guerrilla warfare, and we've got to be supporting one another and networking among the things that we make with our hands. That's a different type of way of looking at the world. Hate to tell you, probably nobody's going to be making an iPhone, which I'm glad. But there are amazing crafts and, and, and trades that are out here that people making things that we need in our lives, and they're being naturally done, and they're being done by the hands of, of people who believe truly in the Holy Spirit and, and worship God. So these are the businesses that we're going to be promoting. If you have an idea or if you have a business and you want to put your name down on that list, we're going to use that as a template. And my illustrious assistant, who just has now disappeared, Hannah, is going to be able to help me coordinate those meetings. And over there. Can we get a round of applause for Hannah? There she is over there. Okay. So, this, yeah. Let, this wouldn't just, happen without Hannah. Oh, no, there's no way. Hannah was with us at Bards Fest 1 and, like, was part of working closely with Nikki, solved one of the biggest nightmares we had, which was our badging solution at that point in time. And 
she just was stellar and I'm really blessed. She is now my assistant. She is like nobody I've ever had work for me and dedicated, smart, brilliant, adaptive, all those things. Much of what the coordination you see here that came together is because of her 100%. So wonderful young lady. So thank you, Hannah. Um, so, um, so we're gonna, this is why we want to get your names. And we don't work with NSA, we don't work with the FBI. However, all of you boys out there in the three-letter agencies that are listening, you're welcome here, and hopefully you'll get a little bit of the Holy Spirit, pull your head out of your backside, and start realizing there's something greater than your pension in destroying America. So God bless y'all. <laughs> that said truly with the love of the Holy Spirit. I'm, so. Okay, so here's the deal. We're gonna do something that's never been done before. I think we're gonna start early so we can get ahead of our schedule. Can we do that? I don't know can we roll into Dr. Frank? Yeah, can we course. do an intro? We've never done an early start. We, I know. Yeah, I think right. I, I, we're, we're like, the heavens have opened. We've got 15 minutes. That's awesome. We Unless you've got 15 minutes worth of stuff to tell no, people. No, I don't. I think that's great. I just wanna say one thing. Yeah. Okay, I just wanna do a quick prayer. Let's do it. Oh, oh, you know what we're supposed to do? We're gonna do a pledge. We're gonna sing the national anthem. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Leah, you're singing. Um, and then and then we'll do that. So how we'll about, do, and then we'll do a prayer. Three, and then Dr. Frank, and then that Dr. won't Frank. take us so 15 minutes. So let's do the Pledge of Allegiance first, right? Okay, Maybe. are you ready? I'll Go stand. Ahead. You lead it. Ready? Yep. Okay, I pledge, pledge of allegiance to the, to the flag. flag. For which it is the States of America. For which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So Leah was that the end? That's the only part I know. And you know, keep going. Were you but I thought you were going. Yeah, you keep going. You're better than I am. That was it. Okay, yes. Amen. Amen. Forgot that one. Amen. This is bad. We are so rusty on this, it's really bad. I'm embarrassed. We should sing the pledge. Or sing. We don't sing. We should sing the pledge and say it. We should sing the Star Spangled That's a joke. Banner. Yeah, we're going to say Okay, so Leah did not know she's going to be singing it, but Leah sings it in the car. So, um, here you go. You're really going to sing it. Hold it out like this. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so she's, she's my big little sister. If you guys can't tell, she's my little sister, but she's taller. All right. Do you want to? Can you start with this prayer, and then I'll sing? Yeah, yeah. You better pray first. I think you better pray first. You want me to pray first? Yeah, let's pray first. Okay. Oh. Do you want me to start with the low? Oh, okay. You want start low so you don't crack. That's good. We're gonna pray. Doctor Frank, you want to pray? Oh, say can you see by the dawn? early light what so proudly we at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the
to free them truly deeper in the Holy Spirit and to walk greater in this world, to truly equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Father, in this day, we're just asking that you can be here. Jesus, we want you here at the seat at the table. The door is open, table is set. Sit down and dine with us, each and every one of us. Open our hearts, bless us. And Father, what we're seeking here today is the more intimate and closeness with you. Every one of us is here to find that, to seek that, to walk that, to be part of that. There's nothing greater than to be closer to you in this walk, to understand the purpose and intent that you have for each and every one of us, to open those paths, to give us the discernment, to provide us with the eyes to see, the ears to hear, but the ears to hear you. Father, for all those here today that have not had that personal and close encounter, we just ask that in this moment they will say yes and to open that door, to ask you to enter in, to be part of something greater in their lives than they've ever imagined. For each person here today, we ask for a blessing. For this land that we stand on, we ask for a hedge of protection. This is now kingdom's land, and where every soul may step on this land, it is now part of kingdom once again. We proclaim this space in the name of, of you, Lord. We proclaim this space as holy and sacred ground, for this is as it was with Joshua. It is sacred ground as the captain of the guard, Lord of hosts, stood before him. And this is what we proclaim this land to be. Father, this is about taking back the land. This is about taking back territory. And this is about launching into the world the mighty warriors of the, of the Christ to step in, to be bold, to be mighty, to equip them well with the tools and authorities given to us on this earth, and to not be at all hesitant, but to lean in hard to an enemy that seems to have no bounds, and let them meet now the true children of the Most High. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So we are actually on schedule, which is pretty amazing. We are very honored today to have I consider to be a good friend, a man of brilliant mind, a man who has single-handedly waged a war against the cabal in such an incredible way. This is Dr. Frank. Dr. Frank, if you have not heard him, know of him, he is a man truly of in incredible integrity. He is, I love the fact he wears a bow tie because the enemy never imagines that such a warrior would wear a bow tie. But this is Dr. Frank, and he is a warrior, a warrior for this nation, a warrior for truth and integrity, and a warrior to empower us all. Dr. Frank, welcome and thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. I'm so glad to be here. I was in Yuba City. I was also in Missouri. And I didn't plan that. So how does that work? It's because we serve a God that's outside of space and time. 
As, you remember, he invented space and time, so he, that means he must be outside of space and time. Forgive me for being a scientist. Okay. Isn't that cool? All right, hang on. I'm just getting this set up. You know, usually I, uh, usually I get to have slides to show you, so I don't. So I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm going to tell you a story. I was just in Wisconsin. And I talked to about 200 former Tea Party people that, you know, used to be all active because they were Tea Party people. But the Tea Party kind of went off the rails, you know, it got ruined by the Republican Party. And so uh, at the end of the meeting, people were like in a line to talk to me and do selfies. I like doing selfies. By the way, Nelly, stand up. Stand up, Nelly. Wave, everybody. You got to get selfies with Nelly. Thanks, honey pug. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. So I was at this meeting, and people were coming up to talk to me. And at one point, this lovely old couple, short little lady, comes up to me and says, Dr. Frank, may we pray for you? And I said, yes, I love it when people pray for me. Please pray for me. So she lays her hands on me, and her husband lays her hands on me, and they start praying. Well, this lady, she was no casual prayer. She starts getting louder. And louder and louder. And as she's getting louder and louder in this tavern, everything's getting quieter and quieter. Everybody's listening to this lady. She's like dominating the room. It's awesome. And after about, you know, a minute or so, other people start joining in. This is like turning into a revival meeting. It was awesome. And she gets to pray. And, and she, uh, she's, it's like five minutes into the prayer. You can tell she's starting to wrap it up. And she's like, and thank you, Lord, for giving us Dr. Frank. And that he's standing in front of Goliath. And he's standing for truth for our country. And Lord, we just thank you for giving such a big slingshot to fight Goliath with. And Lord, we just pray that you'll give him really big stones. <laughs> this was in a tavern, so you can imagine that that was immediately understood. And then, you know, she, she didn't realize what she said. She just kept on praying. And then, you know, in Jesus' name, amen, you know. And, and she opens her eyes, and everybody's got a funny look on her face because we're all trying not to laugh because she was praying fervently, right? This was for real. And so she looked kind of confused up at me, and I just leaned over, and I just said, you just asked God to give, us, give me really big stones. And the whole place burst into laughter, and she turned beautiful tomato red. It was, she was like, oh, oh, oh. It was the sweetest thing ever. It was a moment. It was a perfect moment. And, and as we were driving home after the event back from, from the event, it occurred to me, she's exactly right. She's exactly right. We need to have really big stones. And as you reflect on the story of David and Goliath, you have to realize David did not go to the battlefield to fight Goliath. He went to the battlefield because his father told him to go there and check up on his brothers and bring them lunch. That's what it was about, right? Okay, so he goes, he shows up. He's, he's, there's this big oaf out in the middle of the field insulting our God. And so he goes up to his brothers. He's like, what's up? Get out there and take care of business. This guy's insulting our God. And what did the three brothers tell him? Go back to the sheep. Go back to the sheep. So David didn't listen. 
And you know, you remember the whole story, how he tried on the armor and all that stuff. But in the end, he went and he stood in the battlefield in front of Goliath. And he said, this is not a battle between me and you. This is a battle between you and my God. And today he's going to deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to slay you, right? That's so important. Then, then he slew Goliath. And then the children of Israel chased the Philistines out of the land. I want you to think about this for a minute. The problem wasn't Goliath. The problem was the children of Israel were hiding in the hills. And it took David, a young boy with faith, to stand for God before they all woke up and said, Oh my gosh, we need to be doing what God has called us to do. Where's our faith? The problem wasn't Goliath. The problem was they were hiding in the hills. They didn't have faith in God. That is the problem. Okay, that's the situation our country's in today. Our country is in that situation. We need to be Davids. We need to all stand and we need to have faith because the rest of the people that are hiding in the hills, they don't know. They're lost. They're duped. They've lost their way. They need an example to follow. I like thinking about uh, Jonah when he went to Nineveh. You know, God gives us all gifts. I'm going to talk, I'm going to read you two scriptures here in a second. God gives us all gifts. And when I first started doing my election work, it's like nobody wants to think that they're important, right? It's like I just want to do my thing. I want to be a scientist. I want to build electronics, build devices, do cool experiments. Um, so I thought, well, if I don't do this, God will call somebody else. You know, that's not true. God chose Jonah to go to Nineveh. If he was just going to call somebody else, he would have just called somebody else. He didn't. He chose Jonah. Jonah was, Jonah was specifically prepared for that. How do you know? Because Jonah said no. And God said yes. <laughs> and God swallowed him up with a fish and spit him up on the beach, right? Okay. All right. So you, know, you go the first time. You don't go after God has to swallow you. I always just, I joke about it, but it's the truth. I'm just going to say yes the first time because I'd rather do that than be puked up all stinky and bleached on the beach. Okay. So I'm just going to go the first time, right? That's, that's what this is about. Now, when I was in uh, Yuba, um, the, there were a lot of people that were zooming in. The, resist, the resistance chicks also gave a little blurb. Gosh, I love those gals. And uh, there was a guy, he was a former drug dealer who spent time in prison. And he gave a testimony. It was about five minutes long. I don't remember his name. You can probably, you, some of you probably remember, can tell me. But he got up and he said, you know, I was a former drug dealer. I went to prison and now I'm out. And now we're in the middle of COVID and I'm finding that all these people need drugs. They need, they need HQ, hydroquinone, they, they need all these stuff. He says, I have all the skills. <laughs> and he started distributing all the medicines that nobody else could get. And, and his motto, I mean, his, the lesson he learned from that was, God doesn't waste anything. That is such a brilliant thing. God doesn't waste anything. Everything that's happened to you is to prepare you for your life and to prepare the calling that he has for you. That's why he didn't go for plan B when it came to Jonah. He had prepared Jonah for that job. 
Well, he's prepared me for this job. I'm telling you, I don't know anybody else like me. I, it's a strange thing, okay? So, I mean, how many geeks do you know that have been studying elections for 40 years? And studying epidemics for 40 years? And is an expert in mRNA technology? And is filled with the Holy Spirit? And is a famous scientist? It's like, and loves doing numbers. I love swimming in numbers. How many people do you know like that? Okay, I was made for this. Okay, I was made for this. And so, so I'm not running from that, I'm just embracing it. And I don't know what I'm doing half the time. It is the strangest thing to live your life as a leaf on a river. Okay, I don't know, I wake up in the morning, okay, where are we doing today, God? Okay, what are you gonna bring into my life today, God? God doesn't waste a thing. I'm sitting there in Yuba, and uh, VP Lizer, you know, is he here yet? He's going to speak, I think, at this, isn't he? Uh, Vice President of the Navajo Nation, former vi Vice President. He was at the Yuba meeting, and Scott stood on the stage and said, come on up here, Dr. Frank, meet this guy. You promise you'll go here if he invites you? <laughs> I was just there two weeks ago, spoke to the Navajo Nation. Everybody's like, how did you get on the Navajo Nation, Dr. Frank? That's crazy. None of us have ever been able to get in there. How are you able to get in there? Because God doesn't waste anything, okay? And use that contact. And now we're organizing a movement on the Navajo Nation, the largest Indian nation in the country, through the, minister, through the ministers. At my talk, there were about 30 people or so, and 10 of them were ministers. And we are organizing an outreach across the nation through them. They're already, set, they're already setting up my return visit. God doesn't waste anything. By the way, he doesn't waste my middle name, which is Cherokee Indian. <laughs> he doesn't waste anything. I'm sitting there in that church in Yuba City, and I'm looking at the walls, and there's, there's uh, Catherine Kuhlman up there. When I was a boy, I saw went to one of those crusades with her in, uh, at the Oakland Coliseum, you know, the one where they line the floor with all the hospital beds? And wait, wait to hear this. God doesn't waste anything. Our housekeeper was Mario Murillo's mother. I'm telling you, God doesn't waste anything. I've never said this before. Man, I wish I'd, okay, I'm gonna say it. Remember how Samuel anointed David way before he was king? Remember that? I was anointed when I was 12, and I didn't know what for. Now I know what for. God doesn't waste a thing. God doesn't waste a thing. All right. Let me just read a scripture to you. I need to talk about that sometime. You know, I was modeling COVID for 30 countries in every county in America, and I was given a talk in downtown Cincinnati at a theater, and these two cute ladies came up to me and said, we want to do an interview of you. Of course, absolutely. I met the resistance chicks. That was in 2020. God doesn't waste a thing. <laughs> doesn't waste a thing. I'm going to read you Matthew 25. If you remember, in the book of Matthew 24 to 28, right in there, that's the Olivet Discourse. That's when Jesus is talking about what it's going to be like at the end of the world. Are you coming after me for some reason? Oh, just, okay, gotcha. No worries. I love you. They're, they're like the sisters I never had. 
Okay, I'm going to read this passage to you. It's Matthew 25. Again, this is Jesus telling parables. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold, oops, I hit, who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit at least with the bankers, I added the at least, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Jesus talking. That's like, you know, usually I think of him as soft and cuddly, but that ain't too soft and cuddly right there. That's pretty aggressive. First thing in that passage I want to bring attention to, he gave bags of gold to his servants, each according to his ability. So God gave me a lot of ability, so he's given me a bunch of bags. So I better be investing those bags, yeah? So the next, the next thing is, this is like spooky. The master reaps where he does not sow. Think about that. He gives you a gift. He expects you to invest it. But guess what? He expects you to reap where he doesn't even sow. So I noticed early on in my work with election stuff that it wasn't working for me to just go around giving talks. I had to get my feet going, and I've now been in 800 counties, boots on the ground, uh, meeting with local teams all over the country. Uh, John, Sean Smith called me the Johnny Appleseed of election integrity. <laughs> I like that. That's a compliment. In other words, I gotta, I have to, can't, I just don't use my gifts sitting at my computer or just using my gifts writing a book or just using my gifts doing something. I haven't written a book, by the way, I don't have time. 
I'm busy working. Yeah, I can just imagine. People are always saying, Dr. Frank, man, you got to write a book. You got great stories. Yeah, I can, I can imagine somebody go up to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, would you stop being a minister and stop and write books for a little bit? And then, <laughs> no, he's busy doing the work. Okay, later, later I'll write the book, maybe. If we're not, if we're still here. Okay, let's look at the next one. One of the things I like doing is when I read scripture, I like reading the same story in the different gospels. In, the, in Luke 19, it's the same sermon. Because Luke is writing it instead of Matthew. In this case, it's a, ten of his servants and give them ten minas. So it's different than the other one. In, in the first one, he gave five, two, and one, right? But in this one, he gave an equal amount to everybody, and he says, put it all to work. When he comes back, you know, he asks more, and he, one of them makes 10, and so he says, put you in charge of 10 cities. Another comes back and says, I've earned you five. And he says, great, to take charge of five more cities. And then the one comes back and said, the, like the one guy, he says, sir, here is your single mina. That's like his, his gold coin. I've kept it and laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I didn't sow. Why then didn't you put money on deposit so that when I come back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said he already has 10. What does that sound like? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Does that sound like, you know, today? Oh, we can't, we can't, can't give more money to the people who already have. Jesus' economy is different than ours. Sir, they said he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Whoa, this is, this is not baby talk. This is some serious stuff that Jesus is teaching us here. So what do I take away from this and what I want you to take away from this? This is an amazing time in history. Amazing time in history. We are basically going to either recover our country or lose our country. This is the country that chose God. People always say to me, Dr. Frank, thank you so much for fighting for our country, Dr. Frank. I say, I'm not fighting for our country. Countries come and go. Countries are man-made things. I'm fighting for the country that chose God, that made a commitment to God, that had a covenant with God. That's the country I'm fighting for. And if this country isn't a country that was going to serve God, I'm not interested in it, okay? This is a country that serves God. That's what I'm fighting for. That's what we're fighting for. Thank you. All right. So what's happened to us is we have been lulled. And I'm raising my hand. I'm guilty. We've been lulled into this situation where we say, oh, yeah, let's, it's, politics is nasty stuff. We don't want to get involved with that. 
No, let other people do that. We're, you know, oh, elections, that's, that's no good. Let's let other people run those. Oh, education, yeah, we'll hire other people to teach our children. How, how's that working out for us? Not too well, yeah? In other words, we have become lazy, like that lazy servant, and we have been letting other people do the work we're supposed to be doing. As a consequence, we're in a wreck as a country. When I started this work, I thought I was trying to fix elections. I'm wrong. Elections are like Goliath. Elections are where the point of the spear is. I need to be addressing that, and I am fighting that. Believe me, every day of my life, I'm fighting for that. But really, that's not the problem. What I'm really fighting to do is to wake up the children of Israel to chase the Philistines out of the land. That's what I'm really doing. And I didn't know that at first. I'm on a journey. And so what's, what I've learned, you know, when I first started the work, I thought, you know, I met Mr. Lindell, and he made a movie about me. It kind of made me famous. I was getting to go all over the country. And I was thinking I could save the country from the top down. I could meet with legislators and governors and secretaries of states and, and attorneys general. And I could show them the fraud in their elections. And I could show them how what was happening. We could hack into their system right in front of their eyes. If you've heard my election talks, you've heard me tell stories. I've sat down with about two dozen secretaries of states and about two dozen AGs so far. Right in front of their face, we log into their systems and hack their elections right in front of their face. Okay. It's not a question of evidence. It's not a question of do they know or not. And so there are all these people that say, oh, I'm, I found a bunch of fraud in my county and I ran to the Secretary of State, Dr. Frank, and nothing happened. What's wrong? What's wrong is they already know and they aren't going to fix it. What's wrong is you're hiding in the hills. you got to start being the government. you got to stop asking other people to be the government. And my favorite example of that, you know, I've learned so much. This is... This is, you know, as a scientist, you know, 40 years I have 60 scientific publications, cover articles, you know, Nobel Prize nomination in chemistry in 1990. I was a famous scientist for a while. In science, you have truth and logic and evidence, and that drives your knowledge. So I brought that paradigm to the real world, thinking, okay, if I show them truth and logic and evidence, that things will happen. <laughs> okay. So I'm a rube, okay? <laughs> I had to learn. I'm naive. I spent a whole year thinking I could save the world that way wrong. It comes down to, I have to educate the people. I have to wake the people up. I have to wake the children of Israel up so that they'll chase the Philistines out of the land. That's what it's come down to. It's not about evidence. They already have the evidence. It's about the people. And what I've realized is, it's like what Plato said, the penalty for refusing to get involved in politics is you end up being governed by your inferiors. This is country is an experiment in self-government. We're supposed to be being the government, not telling somebody else to be the government. And it's not supposed to be something that you want to do as a career. It's supposed to be a, one of those things you have to do because it's your obligation to do. So you go, you go serve your term and then, and then you come back to you know, your farm and your plowshare or whatever it is. I learned this principle, because I'm on a journey with, right alongside you, I'm learning. Um, I was up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and they told me the story about Gundelane. Ever hear about Gundelane? What happened was Antifa showed up. Actually, the sheriff found out Antifa was coming to town. So the sheriff let some of the citizens know, hey, Antifa's on their way here. So the citizens lined the streets with, they, with their ARs. 
all dressed in full camo and everything, right? And so Antifa shows up at the, you know, and they park in the grocery lot and, you know, they, they get out and get some sandwiches or whatnot. When the leader comes out, the leader of the Coeur d'Alene team says, well, you know, we believe in the First Amendment. Freedom of speech is big and important to us. So please feel free to have a speech. We'll all listen. First window that breaks, we open fire. Okay. So the Antifa just piled back in their bus and drove on. And now go up there, you know, go up there for a summer break or something. Coeur d'Alene is a beautiful city, gorgeous. The people protected it. It's their job. What's your first instinct? If your first instinct is to say, Antifa's coming to down, call the sheriff, you're upside down. If Antifa's coming to down, your instinct should be grab your AR, call your neighbors, line the streets, and you call the sheriff the next day to clean up the mess. You are the government. You have to be, you have to be the... If you're waiting for them to protect you, you're going to be waiting a long time, okay? You have to protect yourselves. And cities that didn't do that, since I've been traveling around the country, I've been in 46 states now, um, in 800 counties, the counties that don't do that, they're the ones that are just full of vagrancy, economic depression, drug problems. It's a mess there. Why? Because the people weren't stepping out and defending what is theirs and they weren't being the government. Well, that's the same thing with elections. Let's apply that same thing to elections. Oh, Dr. Frank, you know, I went to my Secretary of State and said we don't like our elections, but he told us too bad that's we're going to do it that way. No, you're the government. You fix the problem, and later your legislature may make, pass a law to, to improve this. That's something else that I've learned about our country, and I should just explain this to you. I've got some more stuff I want to tell you, too. I don't have any extra time, but I got an hour. What have I gone about, 25 minutes so far? Something like that. Tell me when I have, who's telling me, who's keeping track of my time? Nobody. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'll go just for a few hours and I'll give it a break. There we go, yes, all right, whatever. Sing for you. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. God doesn't waste a thing doesn't waste a thing. 14 years of voice lessons. I was a choir director too for many years. Okay, let me see what I want to talk about next. Let's talk about this. So I've been trying to wake everybody up. You got to be the government. So I've come up with these seven steps. I don't want to talk about the seven steps today. It's better with slides. But the seven steps basically are teaching local communities how to take back how to take back their local government. And when you're done with the seven steps, not only have you taken the elections back under your purvey, but you've also built a, a local functioning government that is of the citizens, we the people, by the people, for the people. That's what we've come up with. That's, that's basically what I've been doing, coming around. And, and it's amazing, God doesn't waste a thing. The John Birch Society picked me up. 
They've been giving me presentations all over the country. I just spoke to their leadership conference in, in Iowa. I'm telling you, God doesn't waste a thing. It's amazing. All right, so I want to tell you another story. So when I was in high school, my senior year, I got a ditto. Do you remember those? You older people, a ditto? Remember those? You got to be, uh, you know, I'm 62. And the ditto said, we want all you high school kids, you know, when you you know, have intimate relations with other, I'm being smart because there might be kids here. When you're having sex with other kids, we want you to wear condoms, we want you to wear protection. Because AIDS is the fastest growing disease killing teenagers in the world. This was in 1978. So I thought, I'm a scientist, I'm a budding scientist, I'm interested in this. I grew up near San Francisco and AIDS was a big deal. So I said, well, I better look into this because if it's killing all my friends, I want to know. So I went down to the local public library and I looked all the statistics up. Nobody in my community died of AIDS. In fact, no teenagers died of AIDS. And I looked up for my whole state. No teenagers died of AIDS in my whole state. I looked across the country. No teenagers in the whole country died of AIDS. Well, wait a minute. What are these people talking about? Okay. And then... Ah, in Africa, I see all the teenagers there. That's where it's the fastest growing disease killing teenagers. So in other words, the numbers they told us were being manipulated to try to make us manipulate our behavior. It wasn't about truth and inf information. It was about propaganda to make me change my behavior because of what they were misleading with the numbers. They were lying with statistics. Does that make sense? That happened to me in high school, and God doesn't waste a thing. And so for the rest of my career then, every time I hear a number in the media, I don't believe it. I go look it up. So when COVID started happening, what did I do? I started looking up the numbers. And sure enough, in Ohio, we got the health director fired because she was misrepresenting the numbers. Do you remember that? That was because of my work on the numbers in Ohio. That's, they were lying. How were they lying? They were taking deaths of people that had died in January, reclassifying them as COVID deaths, and then announcing them in April. That's what they were doing. And I was able to go back into the, the computer programs that they were using and find their data sources and catch them in the act of switching that. We got that all exposed. So in other words, I like numbers. I know that makes me weird. Physicists, you know, if you do a survey of scientists, you're going to find more physicists and chemists believe in God than biologists. Did you know that? It's because we see design and stuff. We see, them, we see the equations that shape things. So it makes sense to us. It's a natural conclusion when we see design to conclude a designer, right? Biology is so much more confusing. It's way complicated. Physics is way simpler. The design of the universe is amazing. So anyway, that kind of got me started. And I was asking questions of all my my uh, teachers and preachers at the time, and I wasn't getting very good answers. They were pretty dumb answers, actually. And I was kind of struggling. I always believed in God, so I didn't have any trouble believing God, but I, I had trouble with the church because the church was full of dumb people with dumb answers. You had that experience? Sorry. So I'm a youngster, I'm interested in science, I'm gonna go into a physics degree, so I decided to take a year off and go to a Christian college for a year to learn, to find out if there was any good thinking in Christianity so that I would know how to lead my life and then I'd get my physics degree. So I went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara. It's like a Wheaton of the West. It's woke, don't go there now.
but it was good then. And I remember after a couple of weeks, I went and talked to my teacher, and, and uh, one of my teachers I picked out, I got at office hours, and I said to him, I have certain questions, and, and I started asking questions, and after a couple of times, he interrupted me. He said, just wait a minute, Doug. He says, haven't you ever read Augustine? Haven't you ever read Pascal? Haven't you ever read Newton? Haven't you ever read Wiggins? Haven't you ever read the scientists, Copernicus? And I'm like, it never even occurred to me that I could read what the scientists actually wrote. For some reason, we're in the, we're, it's like it's with the government. We've been conditioned to rely on the government to do it, everything. And our schools were conditioned to rely on our textbooks and our teachers to tell me everything. Well, why don't we just go to the source material? What did Newton, did you know that Newton wrote more on Christology than he wrote on physics? Okay. Copernicus was a priest. I memorized a quote by Copernicus uh, that first year in college. It goes like this. To know the mighty works of God, to comprehend his wisdom, his majesty, and his power, to appreciate in degree the wonderful workings of his laws. Surely all this must be a pleasing mode of worship to the Most High, to whom ignorance cannot be more grateful than knowledge. Is that a casual Christian? That's a scientist whose, whose science is his way of worshiping God. He appreciates creation more because of his scientific appreciation for the design he's studying. It's like when, it, when you look in the stars and you see the heavens, wow, it's just it's awe-inspiring. It makes you want to worship God more. So it's like my daughter, Nellie, I mentioned, I introduced her before. She has Down syndrome, she's 25. She's like, I have two younger sons as well, but she's my bud. She's the most amazing example of unconditional love I've ever met in my life. Every day she teaches me about unconditional love. She's also taught me this other interesting thing about science. So she likes to draw pictures and give them to me. You know, I'll say, I love you, daddy. And she's, no. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, right. She says, she'll write on there, you're a smart cookie, daddy. And she'll, and she'll, she'll draw a picture. Okay. And so, uh, so now think about it. I'm busy. I got work to do. Okay. But she comes in and she puts that in my office, right? And she puts that in my hand. She says, hey, daddy, I made this for you. So what could I do? My one response, oh, that's really nice, honey. Thank you. I can sit it down. I don't do that. I learned early on. I stop, put her on my lap. Oh, look at the color you did here. And oh, look at that. And you made the tree green and the sky blue. You, you look at the picture together. What am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm communing with my daughter. I'm communing with her creation. This is what she did. This is what she thought. We're appreciating it together. I'm feeling the love that she's expressing and all the thought that she put into that. And it's like an, it's a, a moment of fellowship. It's a very powerful thing. I like to imagine that that's what God's like. You know, when I'm looking at that tree and I, I see chloroplasts and xylem and phloem and rings and respiration and, and the, the wavelengths are tuned for exactly for the chloroplasts and, and how all the ATP and a, all that stuff works. It's like I'm sitting there looking at God's drawing and I'm communing with him and I'm appreciating his creation and it's like a moment of fellowship. That's, so when, when people say, oh, how can you be a scientist and a Christian at the same time, Dr. Frank? I was like, how can you not be? It's like the more science you know, the more you appreciate God and the deeper you appreciate God. I, 
you know, the one I've been tripping on lately, I read a book a couple of years ago called The End of Time, T-I-M-E, Time, because time is not real. Did you know that? Time is a construct that we use in our mind to kind of understand how things go. Time is not a fixed thing. You've ex you may have experienced that, like when you're almost in a car accident, time slows down, you have time to think about things. Have you noticed that? It's so much a part of who we are. We think it's real, but time is not a real thing. In physics, we've already shown, quantum mechanics shows that there is no such thing as time. It's just, it's, it's only one dimension out of about nine dimensions. And C.S. Lewis, I remember reading him as a boy. Thank God for C.S. Lewis. Man, I, 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 I needed that smart mind to help me uh, when I was in high school. But he said that God was outside of time. And really, think about this. This is a simple way of understanding this. Let's say that um, you have two gingerbread men sitting on the table, on the table, and they're looking at each other. What do they look like to each other? A thin line. <laughs> because they're on the table. They can only see sideways. They can only see sideways, right? They look like a line. But what, is it, what do those gingerbread men look like to you and me? We stand up, we look down at them, we see their shape, right? And we can even see inside of them, okay? Why? Because we have an extra dimension versus them. We're in three dimensions and they're in only two dimensions. Well, imagine if you're God and you're in nine dimensions that you created. You're actually in more because you created those nine. Imagine all the ways he can see into our heart. And he, can see, he's not, he doesn't see into the future. He's in the future. He's in the past. That's hard for us to understand sometimes how all that works. But quantum mechanics opens your minds as a physicist, opens your mind to that sort of thing. All right. I'm deviating from my plan, but that's all right. I'll tell you about something else. God doesn't waste anything. Let's talk about humility for a minute. I know it seems weird, but it's the truth. People say, Dr. Frank, you're like so smart, but you're normal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's like, how do I accept that? How do I... How do I process that? Because I don't want it to go to my head, and I don't want to become not humble. But it's not, it's not been a problem for me. And it sounds weird that I'm saying it, but I'm just being honest with you. Think about it. Humility is knowing what gifts God has given you, nurturing them, deploying them as he intended, and then when he accomplishes his will, you give him the credit for it because he's the one that gave you the gifts in the first place and gave you the opportunity to develop it. It's like, it's, it's like how can I take credit for that? It's like I had nothing to do with that. I, I tell people I'm six foot one. What do I have to do with that? I have nothing to do with that. He gave me hands and feet. He expects me to work and walk. He gives me a voice. He expects me to talk and sing, right? He gave me a mind. He expects me to think. So there's six. I just gave you six gifts, six talents. See why I started with that scripture. What talents do you have? That you're supposed to be using. By the way, Nelly is the world champion hugger. So before you leave, you got to get hugs from Nelly. That's a special thing. It's a special blessing. All right. A couple more things. Here we are in Kentucky. You got the Creation Museum right up here, yeah? So we, people always ask me as a scientist, well, how do you reconcile all this stuff, Dr. Frank? How do you like reconcile? Is the earth old? Is the earth young? 
Well, the nice thing is, is that I don't have to answer that question in one sense because I know God did it. I just, the fun part is to see if I can figure out how. Okay, that's the fun part, not the question of whether he did or not. So I always play this little game uh, with my young earth creationist friends. I say, well, imagine that you're in a time machine and you fly back to the eighth day of creation. It's the eighth day of creation and you're in the Garden of Eden and Adam walks up to you. How old is Adam? And people say, well, he's, you know, 16, 18 years old, something like that. I said, no, he's two days old. God just made him, okay? But he looks like he's 16 or 18 or something, right? He looks older, yes? Okay, all right. And he said, well, what about that tree over there that's got fruit on it? Well, how old is that tree? Well, that tree, you know, it's like, you count the rings, it's got like 30 rings in it and ripe fruit on it. So, you know, it's, you know, it's 30 years old or something. Well, no, it's only five days old. God just made it, right? So in other words, God made the, made the earth with age, he, you have to, even as a young earth creationist, you have to admit that God created the world with age. So that's sort of an interesting thing. Once you recognize that, then that means, that means maybe science is the wrong way to answer that question because all the measurements you make make the, the universe look older than it is. And you have to admit that even as a young earth person. So to me, that's sort of a, a moot question. That's sort of a a false argument, but I'm not discouraging you from investigating and seeing if you can figure out, because it's fun to see if, how God might have done things. Maybe he thought about it for eternity, and maybe that's why there's an eternity of history. Who knows? That's just fun to think about. So what am I doing? I'm trying to give you a couple of scientific insights here. Why is this important? Why am I doing this? Because we're in an age where you're not supposed to be able to be a Christian and a scientist at the same time. That's what they're telling us. And we're in an age where you're not supposed to be involved in politics if you're a Christian. That is such BS. I grew up on a farm, I can say that. Jesus was crucified by the politics of the day. That's pretty involved. Peter and Paul got thrown in prison every town they went to. That's pretty involved in politics. Yes? The Black Robe Regiment led the revolution. If you haven't heard this story, you're going to love it. I was in um, Massachusetts, in Lexington, you know, where the shot heard around the world. And they tell the story when the British were about to launch their attack against the colonists. The honorable... Um, colonel of the British Army stood up there and he said, Surrender in the name of the king. And one of the colonists said, We have no king but Jesus. Then there was the first shot heard around the world. The Black Robed Regiment led the revolution. In Utah, we are having trouble finding a venue for me to speak because none of the churches would host me, not one. Not one church. That's a symptom of how lost our churches are. This is not about elections. This is about the children of Israel are hiding in the hills. That's what this is about. So what are the lies you're being told? You're being told you have to wear masks, that that's safe. You know, I did a study. God doesn't waste anything. 
I did a study 10 years ago with my students because one of them was from Asia and they were wearing masks over there during a flu epidemic. So we did a whole study and did research all the literature on masks, whether they made any difference or not. They don't, there's been tons of huge demographic studies. They don't make any difference. They don't affect viral transmission whatsoever. Okay, there's no net effect of them. So I knew that, so I told everybody that, but the media told you otherwise, right? So in other words, you're being lied to every day. You're being told not to get involved in politics. You've been told to take your problems to the government. You've been told that you can't be a scientist and a Christian. You're being told to wear a mask. You're being told that you have to get jabbed by a, a chemical that doesn't really give you immunity. All these things. So you got to wake up. You got to wake up. That's why I'm doing revivals. This is not about elections. That's the head of the spear. I'm fighting on that, but really it's about waking us up. It's about a religious and political, which are the same, revival in our country. Why is it the same? Because this is a country that was established on of the principles of, of the Bible and Judeo-Christian heritage, and it was, we had entered into covenant with God. I read Martin Luther, um, I love Eric Metaxas, he's a great writer. I read his, um, if you haven't read his uh, book on Bonhoeffer, that book is probably the definitive biography of Bonhoeffer there is, but I just read his Martin Luther book last year, his uh, biography of Martin Luther. That is, we are in another one of those times right now. The Reformation was taking place then, we are in the middle of a Reformation now. We are in this, it's the same, it's a repeat of history. I was on the phone this morning with Tony Shoup from Pennsylvania, and she, we were talking about that, and she was like, Dr. Frank, do you know how the first Civil War started? <laughs> and she was teaching me the history of the Civil War. Guess what? We're right there now. All the conditions are here for us to have another Civil War. History repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun, is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He's right. God doesn't waste anything. All right. Have I hit everything? I'll tell you one more thing. I'll, I'll tell you. How simple is it? One of the most simple things there is in the universe. I grew up on a farm. I love this, a lot of the theme of this. I grew up on an Angus ranch. We knew the difference between a man and a woman, a male and a female. Are you kidding? I put the animals together to make all that stuff happen, right? That's what you do on a farm. You make that happen. That's under attack. Like we're not supposed to know what that is. Right? You see where I'm going? Everything that is fundamentally true is being spit upon and discredited. The fact that we're the government is just part of it. The fact that there aren't men and women anymore, that's just crazy. Women are God's gift to men, if you ask me. I've been married to one for 42 years. They're awesome. One more thing, I guess, and then maybe, maybe I'll be done because I'm starting to... Is, did I do good timing? He, he says I'm doing great. I love this guy. All right. Miracles. Miracles. I heard, you, I heard Scott say something. We've got to bring the physical and the spiritual back together. I think that's another lie you've been told. There is no line between the physical and the spiritual. That's like saying God is separate from the universe. That's silly. 
Through him, all things hold together. The whole universe is a subset of God. We are, by definition, spiritual. So, think about miracles for a minute. I look at my life and I see all the amazing things that God has done to bring, it, bring about my life to where I'm at now. I could never plan that. God uses, God doesn't waste a thing. So when I was struggling, not with, not with God, not with my belief in God, I was struggling, what do I believe? And ex examining that as a youngster, I liked reading the Bible with different goals. So for example, I read the entire Bible thinking like a scientist. What would be, what would, how, if I was a scientist, how would I think about this passage? And I remember in one in particular, I was in the New Testament and I came to Jesus's first miracle, you know, the wedding at Cana when he changed water into wine. And I said, what if you think about this as a scientist? What is that? Well, water is H2O and wine is mostly H2O with about 12% ethanol and a few small minerals. So about 12% ethanol. Now ethanol is C2H5OH and water is H2O. Well, wait a minute. If you're gonna make water into wine, you have to make oxygen atoms into carbon atoms. How are you gonna do that? That's a nuclear reaction. So you can do the calculation and you can figure out how much energy it took Jesus to make those six flasks of water into six flasks of wine. And it's four Hiroshima bombs of energy. That's a heck of a, that's a, heck of a miracle. A heck of a miracle. And you can go through each of these miracles. I mean, and that's really nothing compared to feeding 4,000 or 5,000. I don't remember what one of the two it was out of the two fish and five loaves or seven loaves and two fish, I think it was. Think of the, the mass. Just take E equals MC squared, the mass, and multiply it by three times 10 to the eighth twice, and that's the number of joules. That's, that's like, it's like the energy of the sun for a day. I mean, it's a massive amount of energy. It's huge. So when you read the Bible as a scientist, I don't want you to think that they're in conflict. They only amplify one another. They amplify one another. I guess I'll just maybe close with this. When I was a postdoctoral fellow, I had a graduate student come into my office and close the door, and I'm like, uh-oh, what happened? Close the door, he sits down, Dr. Frank, I gotta talk to you. What's that? Well, I just want to let you know, last night I became a Christian. Well, praise the Lord. That's so wonderful, Oliver. Why are you telling me? He says, well, I became a Christian because in Taiwan, none of us would ever become Christians. We'd all scoff at it. In the scientific community, we scoff at Christians. That's irrational. He says, but I've been working with you now two years, and I see you're a real Christian. You have your Bible on your desk. I see you reading it occasionally. I I know you go to church and you have a beautiful family and you're like a smart person and a very successful scientist. I would never even have considered it except you were a credible Christian. And I think, I think that is what we need to think right now as a, as a body of Christ. We need to be credible Christians. To be a credible Christian means we don't hide in the hills. Our faith, we wear it openly on our shoulders. Our trust in God, our faith, we stand in front of Goliath and we say, today he's gonna deliver you into our hands. And the wonderful thing about that is that I tell people all the time, oh, Dr. Frank, you know, but we don't think this is gonna happen or we're worried about this or whatever. 
It's not up to us to win the battle. It wasn't up to David to win the battle. It wasn't up to David to slay Goliath. It was up to David to use the skills and talents and preparation that God had put into his life. It was up to him to bring out the slingshot that he had used on the animals and learned in the hills. It was up to him to use what God had given him to me and be willing to stand in faith and trust God for the outcome. That's where we are now. We have to be willing to be David. We have to be willing to stand in front of Goliath. And I, you know, I don't have... The more I think about it, I would be scared to death to stand in front of that nine-foot guy with my stupid slingshot. Are you kidding? That is an act of faith. That is an act of faith. And when sometimes, I got to tell you, sometimes in this, this battle against elections, we are up against amazing odds. Our country is in horrible shape. I am so glad it's not up to me <laughs> to win. It's up to God to win. What's up to me is to stand. What's up to me is to explore what gifts has God given me? What opportunities has God given me? And it's my responsibility to recognize that, to nurture that, to deploy it. That's true humility. And then in the end, I can give him the credit for, for winning the battle in the end. Can I just pray for us? And then I'll, I'll, I'll end. God, I just thank you for the privilege of us living in this time, this amazing time in history, amazing place in, in Bible history, amazing time in our country's history. Lord, I just asked for forgiveness, for being complacent and apathetic and asleep for so much of my life. Thank you for bringing influences into my life that have Woken me up. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me wise. Empower the gifts you've already given me so that you can reap where you have not sown. Deploy me. I am yours. Each person here, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us in this unique time in history. We are, you say, if we will hold you up, that we'll draw all men to you. We just lift you up. We are subservient to you. We rely on you, your Holy Spirit, to fill us and empower us. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Dr. Frank. <laughs> okay, we're going to do a slight schedule shift here. Uh, no, you gave us everything we needed. Thank you. Yes, um, we're going to we're going to stop here. We're going to reconvene at two. It gives everybody a chance to get something to eat. Food trucks up there. Parents, we're paying for all the kids' food today out of the food truck, so just we're doing that. So just as long as you're okay with it, it's good food. If you're not, okay, that's your deal. So. <laughs> So, and for Paul Cantrell and his family, I already know what that bill is going to be. So thanks, Paul. Ten children. That's craziness. So um, anyway, so we've got uh, kids are meeting for free up there today. Um, 40 minutes. We're going to do a little shift here and get ready. Jaron, wherever you are, 
We'll, we'll, you'll get same time where to shift into start at two. You'll be up next. Thank you. Let me tell you, this man coming up next is smoking hot. Not that way, not that way, but he's he is a West Point graduate, super brilliant on, on common law, and uh, looking forward to have you hear him. He's been on the show. We, we've had done some special a special feature with him, and he's working to work with us on some bigger visions for common law. So I'm anxious to have you be back here. So get fed, get water, do all those things you got to do, and we'll be back here at 2 o'clock. God bless you. Talk to you in a bit. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, Ask what you can do for your
that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.